What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking all things supersets. We're going to talk about what is a superset, what are the four kinds of supersets that I'll use typically at some point in my programming, and a little bit about why behind each of them. Um, we'll start with what is a superset. Essentially, it's performing two exercises back-to-back with short or no rest. Instead of doing more traditional, quote, straight sets, which would be doing one exercise and then resting and then doing that exercise again several times before moving on. A question that you'll hear often is, you know, which one of is better? Like we want to, everything that we talk about here is going to end in a discussion of like, well, which should I do, right? Um, it's hard to say that supersets are better than straight sets, especially without adding context. Um, and so we'll talk about, you know, when we talk about the why behind each of them, you'll see kind of where they might fit into programming. And maybe some might be really great for you where you currently are at. And some of them might not be super useful given the context. And so this isn't necessarily going to be something that's like, hey, this is why you should do these instead of straight sets. Like this is obviously not an either or situation. There's some uh, ability to integrate this into your programming depending on the goal. Uh, but what I would say, I guess, very generally is I'd say straight sets are probably going to be your bread and butter for hypertrophy. You're probably going to, in general, lean on straight sets more often with supersets being something that you use specifically for a certain reason, you know, of which there might be several, which we'll go into, you know, obviously through the course of this podcast. And so again, four reasons we might, or four kinds of supersets that I'll use in my programming. One would be pre-exhaust, and we're going to go into these in detail, so just kind of, kind of whet the appetite here. Uh, number one would be pre-exhaust, two would be post-exhaust, three would be um upper lower supersets for a systemic effect or just like big muscle tissue, big muscle groups for a systemic effect or non-impeding muscle group supersets to save time. So we're either pre-exhaust, post-exhaust, trying to get a systemic effect or trying to save time. And again, we're gonna go into detail into each of them. So let's start with pre-exhaust. This is like number one, again, not in any necessarily any order of importance here, uh, just four supersets that I'll tend to use in my programming kind of why. So a pre-exhaust is usually gonna be Essentially pre-exhaust meaning doing one exercise and then with the purpose of pre-exhausting or exhausting beforehand, a certain muscle group before your second exercise. So what might that look like? Usually it's a short position, overloaded exercise first, moving to an exercise that challenges a more lengthened position. Why might that be? Well, we can. that is the order in which our muscles fatigue. We're gonna lose the ability to fully contract those muscles and, and get the muscle fully short first and we'll still be able to continue working in a more lengthened position. So we're gonna work from the short position to a more lengthened position. Usually this pre-exhaust technique is gonna be in a hypertrophy block. Uh, that short position to lengthened position does kind of, again, represent how we can get a really good high amount of high quality tension on the muscle. Um, technically a superset, right, in this context would be different, but sometimes would be different from something like a mechanical drop set or a tempo drop set, where we, you know, a mechanical drop set is something like, if you're doing a step back cross cable extension that works a little bit more of the short position and then you walk forward and you do a regular cross cable extension from like in line with the with the machine um, for a more lengthy position. Now those are technically two different exercises. One primarily or the first one working in the short position and then moving into the second exercise working in a more lengthened. And so there's definitely a bit of overlap in terms of use with something like a pre-exhaust or a mechanical drop set or a tempo drop set. Um, definitely, sure. I suppose... Uh, the term superset would imply two different exercises. So maybe a tempo drop might not qualify, but there's certainly a lot of overlap for these in terms of use. Um, again, you're doing a pre-exhaust for one or two reasons. You're trying to maximize tension from a short position or from the short position to a more lengthy position. Or maybe you're trying to, let's say your second exercise is a more compound lift. Maybe it's a hack squat. And 
even with really great technique and good amount of knee flexion and the right foot position and all of that, maybe you still get a decent amount of like glute involvement. Maybe there's some, um, you know, your glutes are just a lot stronger. Maybe quads aren't, you know, uh, don't take over that exercise kind of like they should. If you pre-exhaust the quads, it's likely that they'll be the limiting factor in a more compound lift. And this can be a little bit of utility there if you're doing an isolation movement into a compound movement to kind of make a certain part of that compound movement more likely to be the limiting factor. So if you exhaust your quads before an exercise that might work quads and glutes, it's very likely that your quads will be, because they're still tired from the first exercise, the limiting factor in the second exercise. Cool. Um, usually I'm, I'm using it for the first reason of maximizing tension going from short to more lengthened position. And so an example of this would be a leg extension as the pre-exhaust, which would be the uh, working the quads in their short position and moving to a hack squat, which is gonna work the quads at the bottom in a more lengthened position. And so we're working from that short to long or sh more short to more lengthened position of the quads. Um, what I, as I was kind of making a couple notes and some thoughts on this, I thought, you know, you could do this. Pre-exhaust is great. I, and I like using it uh, specifically as a nice variation, but you could also accomplish some of these same goals by just doing your exercises in straight sets, but in this order of short to lengthened position. So if you told me you did three sets of leg extensions and then three sets of hack squats, you would still be working from short position to a more lengthened position. And so you'd still be kind of uh, over the course of that workout, maximizing tension across the muscle uh, and potentially still having that secondary effect of making sure that the quads are the limiter in that hack squat because you just did three sets of leg extension. So this might be a smidge more metabolic versus doing straight sets of leg extension to a hack squat but it's certainly still within the hypertrophy realm. And I would say that this would still have a slight time-saving benefit potentially. Um, and if nothing else can be a really fun variation where, you know, if you've never done leg extension to hack squat, um, there's something about this that just feels inherently different in terms of really feeling this in your quads. Cool. Second reason or second uh, sort of superset that we might see in programming would be a post-exhaust for a little bit more of a metabolic stimulus. Uh, post-exhaust would be potentially working from a length of position to a short position um, where you have an exercise, maybe like you're doing, a, let's say we're talking about working the hamstrings, you do a dumbbell RDL, which works the muscle, the hamstring in a more lengthened position at the bottom. And you superset that with a lying hamstring curl, which is more of a short position overload. Um, and so why would you do this? You would do this for a more metabolic stimulus where we have an exercise like a DBRDL, which is really great for hypertrophy because it does challenge those muscle, the muscle at a longer length. Um, but after working hard in that length of position, we can pick an exercise with really good stability, like a machine, like a lying hamstring curl, where we can push really hard in the short position for a little bit more of a metabolic stimulus. Now, again, metabolic stimulus, if you don't necessarily understand what that might be and why we might do that, I have an episode I'll link in the description. It's an introduction to periodization. It goes through some of these terms a little bit. Um, Short position work in general tends to be a little bit more metabolic, uh, you know, challenging muscle. Now, again, it's not so black and white, but on average across the spectrum, short position work is going to be a little bit more metabolic. Working the muscle at longer lengths is going to be a little bit more hypertrophic. Obviously, some blend of both, depending on where you're at, or at least some blend of both is probably at all times going to be best for hypertrophy, but maybe leaning a little bit more heavily on the length and position stuff, length and mid stuff, um, and leaning more on more short position work during more metabolic phases. I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't superset these in this order. Like I wouldn't post exhaust maybe ever uh, in a hyper, for a hypertrophy stimulus unless you were really pressed for time. Now, if you're really pressed for time, you could say, why wouldn't you just do the lying hamstring curl first in the short position and then move to the DVRDL in the second position here, uh, in the second exercise working in the length of position. Why wouldn't you just pre-exhaust them for hypertrophy? Would lying ham curl to DVRDL work as a pre-exhaust? 
Technically, yes, you're working from that short position to a more lengthened position. What I don't like about that is you'd be working from a position of high stability in the hamstring curl to a period, uh, position of a little bit less stability and a little bit more neurological complexity in the DBRDL. So I wouldn't really want to fatigue myself a ton before doing a neurologically complex movement. Now, I guess DBRDL to me really isn't that complex. I think a lot of people can execute an RDL fairly well, um, even if they are a little bit neurologically fatigued from working hard in, the ham, uh, in a ham curl. So I think this would work fine. I just think that sometimes when we're working from, um, when we're thinking about supersets, I wouldn't put the second exercise of that superset to be something that's very neurologically complex. If we look at the pre-exhaust example of doing a leg extension into a hack squat, that works really well because the, the hack squat, the second movement, the movement that you are showing up to fatigued, neurologically fatigued, like nervous system fatigue, but also quad fatigue, has a high degree of stability. Right, a hack squat has a high degree of stability. There's not a lot of core involvement. It's not extremely technique heavy. Um, like a leg press, there's a little bit of like grip it and rip it. There's a little bit of like, this doesn't require a lot of neurological work. This is me getting in, getting my foot placement down and, and getting after it. Versus something like a barbell back squat, which doesn't have a high degree of stability, does require a good amount of core involvement, is more technique heavy. That might not be something I would put maybe ever in, in the second part of a superset, potentially, to potentially. The third kind of superset we might use is an upper lower 60-60 uh, superset for a systemic effect. So what does that mean? 60-60 uh, refers to the kind of rest interval that we might use for something like this, where we might do an exercise for upper body and then rest 60 and then lower body and then rest 60 and then upper body and 60 and lower body and 60 and kind of alternate through. Now, why might we do that? Let's use an example of doing something like an upper back pull down, then a 60 second rest, then a seated ham curl. 60 second rest, upper back pull down, 60 second rest, seat ham curl, 60 second rest. Why what might we do that? Well, we might do that for a more systemic effect. Systemic training is great for working on whole body conditioning. Like the entire definition of systemic training is probably something like training lots of tissue in a short period of time. Um, and so we want big muscles. We want uh, um, a high degree of, of output. However, um, what we're really trying to do here is actually make cardio the limiting factor. When we talk about systemic work, if anybody's ever done systemic work, your cardio is going to be the limiter. If you do upper back pull down, then 60. Seated hand curl, 60. Upper back pull down, 60. I promise you, you're going to be huffing and puffing. And so this systemic work is, you know, I'm not saying it's just cardio, but it is not it, it diverts from hypertrophy in the sense that it isn't the goal to make the target muscle the limiting factor. It's the goal to tax the system and work a lot of tissue and have cardio to some degree be the limiter. That that conditioning is the stimuli, the adaptation that we are going after in this context. Um, and so if we're doing a systemic phase, which truthfully, again, if you guys don't know what some of these terms mean, you want a little bit more of a definition, there's a podcast, Intro to Periodization, that talks a little bit more about this stuff. Um, but... For a systemic phase to happen for somebody who's, let's say you have a hypertrophy goal. Your main goal over the course of your training is hypertrophy. Why would you ever do something that's not hypertrophy? You might do a systemic phase for one of two reasons. One is just a break from hypertrophy. You can't do hypertrophy forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Although to some degree, I think a lot of people can do it for a lot longer than they think without necessarily needing to change stimuli. But you might do it as a break from hypertrophy. You might also do it because maybe some of you guys have absolutely dog shit conditioning. Myself is a good example. I have terrible, if I do systemic, I die. Um, I have really not great cardiovascular uh, endurance. And so I fatigue very quickly in this sort of training. And so those are adaptations that I might want because they might help me with other hypertrophy training down the road. 
Uh, and so there's a chance that, you know, if you're in my group programming at some point, maybe after several mesocycles, we might work in some systemic work as just a little break from hypertrophy, but also to kind of uh, gain some of these adaptations that maybe help us down the road. Now, you could also do 60-60 supersets with small muscle groups. And so if you do curls, bicep curls, and then 60 second rest, and then tricep pushdowns, 60 second rest, and bicep curls, 60. That's not something where your cardio is gonna be the limiting factor, which I laugh about because it actually, in the beginning of my programming, it was for me. That actually was pretty systemic because of how little or how poor my systemic adaptations were. And so I like sometimes doing 60-60 supersets for something like tricep curls or antagonist supersets with small muscle groups. Um, it could be a really nice time saver and it isn't actually systemic. Um, you know, you actually might see a little bit better output in this in this regard because if you're doing curls and tricep pushdowns, 60 second rest, by the time you get back to curls, it will have been like like greater than two minutes, right? Two minutes plus however long it took you to do the tricep pushdowns. And because there's not really a big cardio limitation because these are very isolation movements, they don't work a lot of tissue, you're not gonna be huffing and puffing really, um, you might see a decent uh, amount of output and it can be a fun change up, which we'll talk about. The last sort of superset you might see is the one that everybody knew we would say at some point, and um, it's, I'm not saying it's the most controversial, but yeah, I don't know why that, that, that word came to mind. But the fourth one is non-impeding muscle group supersets to save time. The fourth reason is time saving. Everyone's like, okay, if you do supersets, you save time. If you do supersets, you save time. It's, it's possible that that is true, totally. It doesn't mean that it's saving time without any downsides though. And so I do like non-impeding muscle group supersets to save time, just like that tricep pushdown curl example where it's not really systemic, it can be a great tool to save some time, right? If you do antagonist supersets, meaning two muscles, two muscle groups that are antagonists to one another or two movements that are antagonists to one another. You know, the classic example is like a cable row into a chest press, right? One is a row where you're pulling, one is a press uh, where you're pushing away. And so, you you know, the research at least that we have on supersets says, hey, you could do a chest press and a cable row as a superset and you will see, you know, extremely small, negligible amount of decrement in terms of benefit because these are not overlapping movements. You know, your ability to perform a chest press isn't hindered by the fact that you just did a cable row. If you're doing a cable row into a pull down, because there's so much overlap in muscle group, that wouldn't really work. The second exercise would suffer to some degree. And, and that's not to say that, that super, like those sorts of supersets have no place, but those wouldn't be something that, you know, all else being equal is saving a bunch of time. There'd be downsides to that. Um, and so, yeah, the research does say supersetting like this does give you pretty near the same results while saving time. Um, but again, I would consider the systemic effect. It's not like you can just go ahead and pair your barbell row with your barbell bench press. Like uh, that might be someone's like, oh, those are antagonist, you know, muscle groups. You can totally do that. I will tell you personally, if you're doing a really good heavy set of barbell rows and then you're going to do a barbell bench press, that to me is 100% going to be systemic. After a set of barbell rows, I'm absolutely wiped. You know, barbell rows or cable rows or dumbbell rows. Like, uh, so I would consider the size of the tissue work. And if you're looking to do muscle group, like antagonist supersets to save time or just non-impeding muscle group supersets to save time, just consider the systemic effect. And what I mean by that is consider the, how winded you're getting from those from the first exercise into the second exercise. If you're doing calf raise and tricep extensions, then you're gonna be good to go. Those, those are very small muscles. Neither of those exercises are very systemic or cardiovascularly intensive. And so that's fine. But if you're like, hey, I'm gonna superset hack squats with, uh, pull-ups, I mean, you're gonna be, I, I know that hack squats don't work the back and 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 pull-ups don't work the quads, but that to me wouldn't be 
a really, that that might save time totally, but to me that, that would come at like a pretty big downside for hypertrophy. I think that the overlap in terms of uh, neurological fatigue and cardiovascular fatigue from the first exercise into the second would be substantial enough that maybe we add a little bit of rest in there at some point. And then I guess whatever, this is like an honorable mention here, like just there's a fun element to doing supersets. Um, there's a fun element to changing things in general to be more metabolic or, you know, even a pre-exhaust, which I would still put in the hypertrophy, like a hypertrophy realm. Um, and you're doing hypertrophy. It's still a fun variation that doesn't deviate too far from your goals. And so when it comes to periodization, which just means changing, look, when it comes to changing anything in your training, there is some argument or some consideration of fun and um, like uh, intellectual stimulation, emotional stimulation, you know, having people buy in because what they're doing is now a little bit different and it's a little bit novel and it's a little bit fun. Obviously we take that far, then yes, we kind of definitely divert from what might be physiologically optimal, but there is some element of like, hey, uh, doing some supersetting or some pre-exhaust work uh, or some 60-60 supersets just because it's novel might be, you know, emotionally stimulating, which it definitely has a benefit in terms of like the kind of results that you'll see long-term if you're a little bit more engaged with your training you're probably going to try harder and be more consistent, all that good stuff. Okie doke. Um, let's do a quick recap here. What is a superset? We're performing two exercises back to back with very little or no rest instead of a more traditional straight set, you know, kind of uh, organization, which would be doing one exercise, resting, and then repeating that exercise a few times before moving on. Is, is a superset better than straight set? Are straight sets better than supersets? It's technically hard to say because like we talked about, these certain techniques, superset techniques are gonna have a little bit more of a specific goal. They're gonna be a little bit different than straight sets. And so we need to add a little bit of context if we're gonna decide what is better. But if we're just saying on the whole, across the, the, the longevity of your training for hypertrophy, chances are straight sets are gonna be your bread and butter. They're gonna give you the best chance on average to take the target muscle close to failure without having anything else interfere. Uh, it's gonna be easiest to maybe objectively track over time. And so straight sets probably gonna be your bread and butter for hypertrophy with supersets being something that you'll absolutely use and integrate within those straight sets or within your hypertrophy programming. Um, but again, probably on average, leaning a little bit more on straight sets. The four kinds of supersets we might do, we might do a pre-exhaust uh, for hypertrophy to maximize tension on the muscle, maybe working from a short position to a more lengthened position making sure that that second exercise isn't super neurologically um, complex, like a back squat. You might not put a very complex movement as that second exercise, especially if you're new to that exercise, if you're new to back squatting, if you're new to RDLing, you wanna be neurologically at your best. You wanna be ready to kind of focus in and really put 100% towards that exercise. You might not want to show up huffing and puffing with shaky legs uh, and a little bit of neurological fatigue for your back squat if you're new to back squatting. So. Just some two cents there. Number two would be post-exhaust for a little bit more metabolic stimulus, which is kind of the flip of number one, where you might work from more length of position to a more short position. Um, and usually that second exercise in the short position is gonna be something with a high degree of stability so that you can really push hard for that metabolic stimulus. Um, the third would be supersets uh, for a systemic effect, usually an upper lower superset, usually with something like 60 seconds rest in between. Just enough rest for you to have another quality set, but not so much rest that you come all the way back to baseline. Like in hypertrophy, our goal is to make the target muscle the limiting factor. We wanna rest long enough that cardio is not a limiter. That's not what we're doing for systemic. We want cardio to some degree, the whole body, the whole system to be the limiting factor. And so we're not letting that, um, that factor come all the way back to baseline. We're resting just long enough to maybe have a pretty solid set, but there is some element of, of an incomplete rest here. 
Um, we're also trying to work really big tissue so that we can actually work the system. If you're doing tricep extensions and bicep curls, probably not going to feel a big systemic effect. You can probably accomplish those without really huffing and puffing a whole lot. Um, number four would be non, again, non-impeding muscle group supersets to save time. Um, just kind of having a consideration on the previous one where it's like, hey, if you're doing non-impeding muscle groups, but those exercises are extremely like cardiovascularly intense, uh, neurologically fatiguing. If you're doing two big, heavy compound movements, even if they don't impede, like just take into consideration that you might be tired from the first one. This might not be a superset that has no downside. Even though the literature does say we can perform antagonist supersets with, without, you know, with basically getting the exact same results, do consider, okay, I know that, but me personally, I'm speaking my own anecdote. If I do a heavy set of rows, any kind of row, and then I go to do some sort of press, I'm still a little bit tired and that press will suffer. And so, yes, there's a time-saving component here that needs to be considered, but there's also just in general, like what are the, what's the opportunity cost of the things I'm doing to, to save time versus the kind of maybe potential performance you know, benefit or lack thereof um, for for making those decisions. And again, last but not least, also f- like for the funsies, uh, just to have a little bit of emotional stimulation, intellectual stimulation, try something new, something novel, super relevant. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, this whole podcast is where optimal meets practical. And so we need to take maybe with physiological side of things, but also consider, you know, what's practical for people and shit, man. What's practical is for people to enjoy their training. And so sometimes doing something new and fun, even if it's like a slight deviation from what's physiologically optimal is a trade worth making. All right. See you guys in the next episode. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of where optimal meets practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.